0: Shalom and welcome again to this week's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Address. We welcome you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us today in what I hope will be a very, very stimulating and informative conversation. If you'd like to contact us with ideas about the job about the show or suggestions, just email me at Rabbi Address at JewishSacredAging.com. Again, we invite you to visit the website, JewishSacredAging.com. And also click on and like us or whatever on the Jewish Sacred Aging Facebook page. Uh, we really appreciate that. And so we welcome to uh, this week's edition of Secrets of Meaning, Rabbi Cindy Axelrod, the senior rabbi of Near Tamid Congregation in Henderson, Nevada, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, from the last time I was there is Las Vegas, um, right. right outside of La- long par five from Las Vegas uh we're recording this in Vegas or Vegas is encroaching on us i don't know which which it is. Th- whatever somebody's encroaching on somebody but um first of all sandy welcome thank you very much for joining us we are we're doing we're recording this at the end of july so um i hope you're in air conditioning because everybody's saying it's like what's the temperature today?
1: Reggie i told you it's a dry heat you won't
0: believe me <laughs> <laughs> but what's the dry heat temperature dry today? Heat
1: today uh it's about 118
0: Oh yeah, it's real dry. Uh, we're here to discuss um, Rabbi Axarod's new book called "Love in the Time of Corona." It's self-published, uh, available in the usual suspects, including the Great God Amazon. "Love in the Time of Corona." So, it's a really interesting, uh, a really interesting book, Sandy. Thank you for for uh, sharing it with us. Uh, and the genesis of this really emerged right at the beginning of the pandemic. Walk me through um, that aha moment, uh, that gave birth to this?
1: Well, first of all, thank you again for having me on the show and, uh, shalom to all your, your viewers and your listeners. This is a very special opportunity to again, engage with you, Richie. Well, thank you. Let's, let's go back in time. Um, you know, the whole idea of COVID itself is going to be this generation's, what the great depression was to my grandmother. It's going to be a seminal event. And yet at the same time, it's, it's kind of in the rearview mirror where people are trying to imagine all the different things that happen. The wearing of masks, not wearing a mask, the, the vaccines, all these different things. And this book kind of covers that journey. And what happened was right before Purim, I think it was uh, 2020, um, March, this thing called COVID, all of a sudden appears to the general consciousness of america and we're trying to decide what to do and day by day it's it's changing and finally at the beginning of the week do we cancel services do we not and by the end of by the middle of the week we decide to cancel it and then the whole nation has to make these decisions about closing stores and and closing casinos in las vegas it's it's a crazy time so one of my board members says rabbi I'm scared, and I'm sure everybody else is. Could you please write um, a letter to the congregation and just try to give them spiritual guidance? And my first reaction was, I don't know if it'll make a difference. I mean, this this is just such a big issue. But you know what? I'm the rabbi. I'm going to take take a whack at it. I'm I'm going to express my feelings and. I felt at that time, everyone was so anxious and so afraid that they needed to find a sense of centeredness on love, which is the title of the book, Love in the Time of Corona, to be more loving towards each other. So that was that was it. That was a one-off, I thought. And then the second week came, and as the whole feelings towards COVID started to evolve and we had to learn about technology and then we had to be indoors and before you know it, or washing our mail and putting it outside for three days. Each week seemed to drift into my consciousness and inspire an essay. So before you know it, one essay became two, two became three, and it went on for a couple of years until there were over 100 essays. Um, I happened to be on sabbatical uh, for a few months this year, and I thought, you know what, everybody loved the essays. Um, I'm going to put them together in a book. Called "Love in the Time of Corona," and uh, that's really how it happened. It didn't start off to be a book. It started off to be one essay, and then organically, it just kind of grew. Um, is
0: as I read through the book, I was looking for a theme other than you know love and the, the title. But would I be totally off base, Sandy, to say that embedded in the theme of all these essays? is is the importance and the power of human relationships of relationships with other people and community.
1: I think that's on target. My, the way I phrase it is stronger together. So when a nation goes to war usually becomes very united and they're going to they're going to come together as a country. Well, in a sense COVID was a war but we didn't come together. We're right. still politically divided and People were red states and blue states. They were pro-mask, anti-mask. They, some thought it was a hoax. How did COVID start? And, and there was all of this division and fear about what to do and why it's happening. And my, one of my main themes was, listen, folks, we're in this together. Um, and so we're going to be stronger together. And that is an overarching theme that permeates the book, in addition to other things. I tried to take people from from uh, hopelessness to hope, from darkness to light, from uh, being without faith to being a community of faith. Um,
0: those are also some of the themes that I touched upon throughout the book. So you mentioned uh, to faith. And so the first little letter or first little essay here is about love in the time of Corona, but the second one is called prayer in the time of Corona. And, uh, why, why, why immediately do you jump into prayer in the time of Corona? What was, what was going on that? If you can read, what was going on in your soul and perhaps in the congregations that you wrote that?
1: So. When these essays are generated, they just they would actually just come to me. There was something about what was going on at the time, something that someone said to me or many people said, and then that would be the genesis of each of the essays. And so when, when people would ask, what can they do? Obviously, we're not a government, right? Um, the government's working on a vaccine. It hadn't been announced yet. Um, we're not sure whether we're allowed to let people into our homes. All of a sudden, we're just plain scared. So one of the things that occurred to me was the power of prayer. And uh, perhaps that's because I'm a rabbi. And, but on the other hand, I didn't mean prayer in terms of a cliche that we're going to use magic and we're going to pray that COVID goes away. I think I wanted to refer to prayer in the sense of centered centering us and calming us. And too often when bad things happen, people think, Well, what did I do to deserve it? Why is God mad at us? Sometimes it becomes politicized. We saw that historically, for example, when AIDS came about, there were preachers who said AIDS was a great punishment. And some of that tendency, uh, could have happened when it came to COVID. And I wanted to guard against that. But I also wanted to give people a bit of advice that prayer allows us not to, in a magical way, make things disappear or change, but it can change us and how we perceive the reality that we live in. It can calm our anxiety. It can make us feel that we're not alone in what we're going through. And I think when people are going through hard times, even when the hard times involve an entire nation, really the entire world, there's still a sense that it is affecting me and my family. And what can I do to protect them? What can I do about it? And so one step was prayer. We go through other things as the book progresses, but that was my starting point right then and there as a rabbi. Let's not look for a magical prayer, but look, look for prayer as a way of feeling closeness that somehow God is still with us, not abandoned us, and that we're in this together.
0: You, you write in one of the paragraphs about the, the fact that despite the, the pandemic and the isolation, people sought out community and they sought out services and they sought out adult education. Um, uh, in, in fact, many people reported more people being involved in worship, more people going to classes and even b- because of the pandemic. W- what's been the, as you, as as time emerges now out of, out of these two and a half, three years of trauma, um, what's changed in your congregation as a result of the pandemic?
1: That's an interesting question. In some, in some ways, nothing's changed. And in some ways, um, everything's changed. What do I mean by that? I think hybrid is here to stay. For example, we learned different ways of communicating. You know, the term Zoom is like the term, uh, you know, Kleenex and tissue. It's just because synonymous with uh, social media in terms of reaching out to people. And so, that, that has remained. But I also see that people really felt like they were in a bunker. So they're, ang- they're anxious to travel. They're anxious to go back to synagogue. They're anxious to do stuff and be with people. Um, and in Las Vegas, which is, of course, one of the tourist capitals of the world, we, we were projected to have 50 million tourists. 50, 50 million tourists, which will be pretty much an all-time record. And so I think that there is this desire to return to normalcy, and at first we had to get our sea legs. and the second was the ability to understand that it, and it's in my final essay, it's time it's time to learn with COVID. So even now, COVID has not disappeared. Every week I hear someone who's had COVID, but thank God they're not dying from it, which is really a lesson in and of itself. Um, we had to rebuild the congregation. So we shut down our preschool. We shut down the religious school. We shut down this. We shut down that. We let employees go. And so we had to rebuild, reorganize, rehire um, almost from scratch. Um, the organization that had been around for, you know, over four decades. And it really took strong leadership, not just on my part, but on lay leadership part to be partners with me, to understand that uh, we needed now to move forward and how we were to do that. And so I'm not quite sure I answered your question the way that you, you thought I might, but, I think technology is with us. I think the desire for community is stronger than it was before. And I think that we are realizing that there are different ways to intersect with people uh, in creative ways that we never thought possible. Uh, the last comment is, for example, a lot of our meetings now are by Zoom. Committee meetings are by Zoom, which allows people who never would have gone to a meeting before because they're home with their kids to now engage so it's not a cure-all for everything but sometimes zoom is the most efficient way to get things done and that will be part of the new reality just like email came
0: to be in the 90s and is now part of our reality what are you taking out what personally have you learned as a result of these of this experience how have you as a person and as a rabbi changed.
1: I would say number one I'm still processing that. It was really one of the most difficult chapters in my in my rabbinate. I I've said this before I felt fortunate that I have a a younger clergy on staff and she was able to help master the technology piece the same week we didn't start off with Zoom or live stream we 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 use a different technology, and it kept evolving. But uh, that uh, nebulous, get a teenager to help set you up, Rabbi, re- no. It, it really required professional care and, and someone looking into the technology and, and filming for high holidays. So uh, I, I think, to me, the important thing is not to live in fear, but to live in faith. And it was really very easy to fall back on fear. How am I going to keep this congregation together? How how am I going to learn this technology? How am I going to, you know, keep people coming to whatever the programming might be? And constantly, every day, I was working on that. And in the process, although I worked harder, I worked oftentimes in isolation, literally in my home, in an office I built in my home. And it wasn't as much fun. Uh, I need to be with people. And um, I I, I maybe didn't realize that as much before COVID as I did during COVID. Life is with people. And that that is just so important. And so I had to deal with my own sense of isolation and loneliness. And when it came to helping people, I visit them in the hospital. I was doing funerals where oftentimes there were two people there and the rest were on Zoom. Um, so I realized I could learn technology to touch people's lives and look into a camera and try to bring them in. But I also learned How dissatisfying that was to me personally. And I really,
0: really needed to connect with people. And that's, that's really important to me. You have this little vignette in one of the essays about um, during the height of the pandemic in your home and it came time to walk, walk your dog. Yeah. And the last, I think the last sentence in that little essay was as you were, walking the dog and thinking about all these things. And I'm, I i guarantee you people have thought about this too. <laughs> you weren't quite sure who was walking who. Right. You know, whether you were walking the dog or the dog was. I think about that you, essay all the time. Really? Talk to me about that. Because that, it was a, it's just a lovely little scene in the book. Well, when you look at these essays, I tried
1: to, you know, write an essay that would also be a slice of life, which would be, some kind of lesson that maybe the time of Corona or the time of COVID was teaching us about hopefulness or togetherness. And there I was, you know, bunkered down in my home, not really seeing anyone. And I guess we decided as a country that it was okay to be outside. And you should wear a mask, but If you were a certain distance from people outside, it was safe maybe not to wear a mask, but don't get so close. We didn't know whether it was 10 feet, 15 feet, what. But with that okay, fine, I can walk my dog. And that daily ritual got me out of the house. And as I got out of the house, I actually saw neighbors who oftentimes I had never met even though I'd been in the neighborhood eight years because, like many people, you know, you drive up to your your driveway, you open the garage door, and you go inside your house, and maybe you know your neighbors to the right, to the left, and everybody else, unless you make an extra effort, you don't necessarily get to see. But there I am walking the dog, and um, it got me out of the house, and I wondered to myself. Am I walking this dog or is this dog with her empathy saying, Sandy, it's time to leave the house. Go out in the neighborhood. Let the sun shine on your face. Let's be hopeful. Let's be in life and not in
0: fear. Yeah, because one of the other things, as you alluded to in many of the essays um, and some quotes, is is it is reminding the congregation— because these, these were written for the congregation, right? You, you, you posted these online every week, is that right?
1: We would send them out by email, and oh, okay. then I would post them on our Facebook page, my personal Facebook page. And then as I found out, people started sharing them. So even though, in part, it was for the congregation, and then as it evolved as a project, even though many of the themes might be tied to a Jewish holiday and how it might be interpreted during the time of Corona, the themes were also universal, and so people who were not even Jewish would love this book. But also, in fact, the essays were shared with many people of many different faiths um, along the way. It just seemed to have universal appeal.
0: Well, I mean, one of the themes again that and, and comes through in a variety of essays is, um, you know, the look, at the idea of looking forward not to be rooted in the past or oh woe is me but looking it it's very jewish you know the 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 idea of hope um and you know i'm always reminded of that last scene in fiddler when they're the town anatevka is packing up and they turn to the rebbe and say, i thought we were going to be here to wait for the messiah and the rebbe turns around and says so we'll wait for the messiah someplace else but there's always there's always that looking forward which i think you capture uh really really beautifully thank you there, there there's an, an um there's a prayer that you wrote there's a couple of original things in here but there's one that struck me mostly uh on gratitude so i'm with your permission and i did ask you before we went on so <laughs> and she said yes but um this, this is, this comes from uh, an essay that you wrote, Being Grateful in the Time of Corona, which I know that a lot of people had trouble with, uh, cause they were isolated. They were cut off. This is a, a, a prayer that Rabbi Axelrod wrote for one of these essays. It's in the book. Listen to this. And then I'm going to just ask you to walk me through this, the thought process in here. Dear God, help me to be mindful. Of that which is good in my life, in times of hardship, help me ward off despair. In times of restlessness, help me find moments of calm. Many gifts have you given me, O God, but peace of mind, loving friends and family, and community are among those I cherish most. Help me to never take them for granted. To you, O God, the ultimate source of goodness, I offer my gratitude, my faith, and my love. Blessed are you, Holy One, who brings forth blessings into my life. Amen. Very lovely, short, sweet, to the point, thank you prayer. Sort of could, could have jumped right out of the Amidah or in the, the beginning of a, of a service. What prompted you to write that?
1: Well, in the middle of a pandemic, it's hard to be grateful. when. Every night on television, we're learning about body counts and how many hundreds of thousands of people are dying. When literally in the political discourse, some people are calling it a hoax, the vaccines, you know, don't work, do work, do take them, anti-vaxxers. And so I always tried to find in these essays a path beyond this general hurricane of, of, Uh, divisiveness, and to me, gratitude is one of those universal themes. And I wanted people to just, again, take a moment and realize that there are things to be hopeful for and to be grateful for. And that was really the focus of the prayer don't despair, don't lose hope, don't live in fear. Instead, find your way back to the basics. If you haven't haven't called your mother, call your mother, (laughs) right? The basics. If you you haven't, you know, taken the time just to have an honest-to-goodness conversation, if you haven't written a letter, If if you haven't told someone you love them, The basics. It may seem cliche ish or trite, but I think we needed to get back to the basics because we were getting so distracted by our fear and our anxiety. And so, gratitude is so important to realize that there are things in our life our relationships, our family, our health, our ability to help other people, which gets us outside our own personal needs that we have to be grateful for i don't know about you richie but i always find and you know as rabbis we get paid to be good right but every, every time you do a mitzvah it takes us outside ourselves, right you you help someone and you don't do it to feel good that's not the the motivation but it is a byproduct that when we know we made a difference in someone else's life. Oh, absolutely. We no, we, 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 we thank God that we could make a difference. So, again, that gratitude prayer was to bring God back into our life, to get us more centered on what's important. And again, not to despair, not to live in fear, but in faith and
0: in love. Yeah, I, I, I'm amazed. I, maybe that's the wrong word, but um, what I've noticed in our work in Jewish sacred aging and all the classes we're doing around North America for groups that as we emerge out of the pandemic, uh, this sense of being grateful f- for a having survived it, which is a real, which is true, especially as you pointed out in the height, the height of it, um, the height of
1: thought they would get sick and they would die. That, that's, that's, exa-
0: well, yeah, that's exactly. Well, yeah, exactly right. And, and I do, mine. I, and I do remember, you know, the, having the groceries dropped off and i still remember washing the and, and uh, amazon would deliver a book you 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 had to leave it outside or you I couldn't get it for
1: 3 days i yeah, remember it was crazy I, I got covid in november 2020 before the vaccine and then i i brought in uh is not the right word but i brought in someone who had to fumigate the entire house just oh, yeah. get rid of all those germs, and then if anyone was to enter my house, I wanted to be able to say, don't worry, I had someone kill all the germs. This place is safe. It cost me $1,000. I have no idea <laughs> whether I needed to do that, but I did it.
0: No, it, it, it. We look back, and so as I'm, I'm saying this, I really noticed people being very, very grateful, not only to have survived, but just, as you would call it, the basic things, family, friends, having enough you know when we were isolated um being able to walk downstairs and open the refrigerator and have food cuz not everybody did um or having access to Netflix or whatever it, it, it's amazing it really is i mean uh,
1: one of the first things that we did is we developed a volunteer group who just made a point of calling every member of the temple once a week and you know, some people said, you don't have to call me. But other people, that was their lifeline.
0: Oh, no, no. I,
1: they were essentially isolated and they didn't have a lot of friends to, you know, get on the computer and play Mahjong with or or even to call. And so that weekly phone call, phone call of reassurance meant the world to them.
0: Listen, I know congregations that organize, you know, people to actually on to, to, to call somebody and say, hey, I'm going to sh- if you want to. Get on the computer to talk to your grandchildren who you can't see. I'll teach you how to do that. It's yeah. about older adults who, who are computer phobic or technologically phobic. Again, we're talking to Rabbi Sandy Axelrod, the senior rabbi near Tamid in Henderson, Nevada, on his brand new book, Love in the Time of Corona, available from the usual suspects, including um, Amazon the um there is a really interesting i mean they're all interesting but this also uh for some reason I, a chapter well chapter one of the essays called seeing in the time of corona and you have a picture yes uh okay you remember know what i'm talking about it's a it's like one and a half page essay but just walk me through that because I read it and I read it again. It's very, very fascinating. This
1: the one, this picture of the
0: Torah. That is correct. Yeah.
1: So again, these essays—you never knew where they would come from. And I literally am walking into the building, and there was a shadow that was cast. I think it was near the corner of, of the entrance door to the side of the synagogue, and I looked at it, and to me. It looked like a Torah. And so I snapped a picture. And when I wrote the essay, there, there's very few pictures in this, but this might even be the only one I don't remember. But I put it at the top of the essay so that it would be and, and that they could see that the way they look at the world will help shape the way they interpret the world, believe in the world, feel in the world. And so seeing is believing, but more importantly, believing is seeing. And that when we are people of faith, we see the world in a very different way. And so that's what came to me when I wrote that essay.
0: So um, before we conclude, I want to compliment you on channeling one of the top 25 uh, TV shows of all time. So you know where I'm going with this in <laughs> the, twi- the Twilight Zone <laughs> chapter, the Twilight Zone chapter towards the, the essay, towards the end of the book. And that I did the signpost up ahead and you have in the towards the end of that essay, this, this quote, which is really cool. Um, there is a need to reclaim what was taken, a need to build upon those emotions, which empower us to take steps forward into life. Another theme. These are the steps that will allow us to leave the twilight zone stronger and wiser and more resilient than before. The signpost lies just ahead. It is time to exit the twilight zone and re-enter our lives. Um, what's your signpost say? COVID does seem to
1: be surreal now, doesn't it? Not that long ago, but it seems like we were living in this alternate universe. And it just seemed when I wrote that essay, and and I think the final essay might have been It's Time the Time of Corona, that people just made up their mind that with the vaccine, with the precautions, with our own personal calculus of risk-reward, that we were able to emerge battered, not quite the same, a little bit unsure of ourselves, but with the realization that we were more resilient than we ever thought possible. And we made our way through it. And now it's time to move forward back into life, whatever that might look like. And so. That was really what was going through my mind, I think, when I wrote that essay.
0: That it was no. time. Uh, look, the high holidays are a month away because this is going to post the, the end of, uh, August and Roche's Erev is the 15th of September. And so this idea of gratitude and resilience, you know, as we emerge from, as you, as you wrote the Twilight Zone, um, Is a great gift that I think you. uh, No, I don't think I know that you gave your congregation, and I and I hope people will be able to order the book and really share in the gifts that you gave your people. And I know I would I I would hope that they are very grateful um, for what for what you've done. So thank you, Sandy. Thank you very very much again. The book is Love in the Time of Corona. So uh, I wish you just continued success. Stay cool. God bless air conditioning. And uh, just stay safe and stay well. Have a wonderful, sweet, and healthy new year, too, to you and your family. Happy
1: and healthy new year to you and all your listeners.
0: Thank you, thank you. To all of you, uh, once again, thank you for joining us on today's edition of Secrets of Meaning, the podcast and TV arm of Jewish Sacred Aging. If you'd like to, again, make a comment or a suggestion, email me at address at jewishsacredaging.com. If you'd like to make a donation to help support our work and these podcasts, go to the website, jewishsacredaging.com, scroll down to the conveniently located um, donate button, click on that and just follow the prompts. And if you'd like, if you're an organization or company, you'd like to sponsor a group of these uh, podcasts and get your name around the world, well, just email me, address at jewishsacredaging.com we'd be more than happy to work with you. Again, we appreciate your time, we appreciate your attention, and a reminder that The Seekers of Meaning is produced at the broadcast centers of and Media Companies in beautiful Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and a big shout out to our producer, Steve Lubeckin. I'm your host, Rabbi Richard Adres, and until we meet again in our next edition of Seekers of Meaning, please take care of yourselves, stay safe, stay healthy, and be kind to one another. Shalom, Toda.